From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist here at Square Two. Welcome to episode 60 of What's Wrong With Revenue. Good news, folks. My longtime friend and business partner and co-host of the show is back for the final show of the year. Eric, welcome back. Feels like it's been a long time. Too long, too long. Awesome, glad to have you back. So today's show, What's Wrong With Revenue, we're going to do a look back at 2020 and a look forward towards 2023 and make this kind of a year-end wrap-up show for What's Wrong With Revenue. The show is going to be taking a little hiatus in December as we try to consider what the show might look like in 2023. I think you guys will be very excited to know that we are going to continue the show, but we want to make sure it's relevant and aligned with what's going on in the world of revenue generation. So. Uh, give us a couple of weeks to think through our 2023 show strategy, and we'll be back in early January uh, picking up the show uh, from where we left off. So I thought because we're going to take a little break, it would be good to do a little bit of a look back at 2022 and a look forward into 2023. And when it comes to business growth and revenue generation, I think a lot of people are going to look back at this year and mark it as the year that everything changed. I feel like so much has changed over the past 12 months. Privacy issues have become much more important to marketers. Regulation is is becoming more of an issue. The tools have changed. The technology continues to accelerate. New technology options are presented literally weekly, I feel like. And I think the economy also has impacted a lot of companies' efforts to generate revenue. And whether we're in a recession, not in a recession, going to be in a recession, not going to be in a recession, I think a lot of people will look back at 2022 as an interesting economical year um, when they consider what's going on. And today, I think for CEOs who are looking to create scalable, repeatable revenue generation systems, there's so many of them. So many people working on this, yet so many companies continue to struggle to do this. There's obviously something going on there that we're going to want to unpack a little bit. There's definitely a disconnect between um, what people are doing and what's working. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And we'll look forward into 2023 and see what might we, what we might expect and what we've heard from some of the companies we've talked to for 2023 and what you guys all might want to think about for your 2023 revenue plans. So what I have planned for the show today is I want to talk about the economy a little bit. Neither Eric nor I are economists, so we're not going to make any kind of predictions or anything like that, but we can share firsthand experiences in terms of what we've found in, in talking to other CEOs and how they're looking at the economy. 
I do want to talk about how the digital marketing playbook has changed and what happened in 2022 to accelerate this change, because that has been very significant. Um, I want to cover the technology piece of it, what you should be thinking about when it comes to revenue and technology and, and what makes it easier, uh, what's going to make it potentially better, but more complex. So we'll try to unpack that a little bit. I definitely want to dig into the data issues because I still see people struggling to use third-party data for their marketing and not having a ton of success with it. And in fact, in a lot of cases, running into some significant trouble. So I want to talk about data and then we'll do a bit of a look forward into 2023 and what we think you might want to consider on the radar. And um, then we'll let you go. I also um, have a couple questions today. Some of the past few shows we've been doing questions, some we haven't been doing questions. So I have a couple questions for today's show, and I have a few questions from previous shows that we didn't get to answer that we can wrap up in today's show too. And then uh, Eric and I wish you a really good holiday season. Send you on your way for the rest of December, and we'll be back with you uh, in early January. So Eric, that's a pretty big agenda today. Anything you want to uh, kick us off with? Well, I mean, you're right in your summary that 2022 was the year of turbulence. I mean, so many things were happening and, you know, I have two hats. I have a hat as a marketer and I have a hat as an entrepreneur and the entrepreneurial landscape just got so confusing with like ups and downs and every week seemed to be different. Now we're a 19 plus year old company. You would think by this time, things would be mature and smooth running and uh, dependable and predictable, and it's not. And if we're a 19-year-old company and we're experiencing that, just imagine a five-year-old company or a three-year-old company that's really um, just getting their legs under them and, and getting their systems in place. So I would agree with you on the turbulent thing. I think, yes, we're not economists, but we can see what's going on. I think a lot of people got their uh, PPP and ERTC money, and they were like, oh, cool, Like, what should we do with this uh, extra money? Uh, in order to not only prop up our business, but drive it forward. And there was a lot of confusion about what to do with that as well. Because if you don't have your budget, I think you're extra careful about spending. But I think a lot of people blew some of that money on like paid advertising and maybe uh, did some things that weren't quite as um, uh, uh, appropriate or aligned with their overall strategy because they had the money. And that was challenging as well, because if you don't get the return, uh, you don't get a refund on your money. It's just uh, blown forever. And then I do think that you're right. Things like privacy and government regulation have all of a sudden changed a lot of the things. I mean, how basic is it to get someone's email and send them a few emails to establish the case while you're the obvious choice to do business with? And now even that's challenged with like, uh, you know, one of the basic nurturing strategies that we use in digital. So you're right. It's a big bowl of spaghetti. And um, I think that 2023 requires some elbow grease, meaning that you can't just like put your head in the sand. You got to lean into it. You have to have your people test more things. You have to see what's appropriate for your target market, your offering, your budget, and so forth. And that testing is just going to lead to more questions or lead to other things that you might want to explore. So my viewpoint is, you know, kind of tighten your seatbelt one extra notch for 2023, because it might be a little bit turbulent there as well. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And, um, you know, if we want to do a quick, you know, I talked to a decent amount of analysts over the course of, you know, the quarter, and a lot of them ask me about these economic uh, conditions. And I always tell them, like, I don't really know is the honest answer to, like, what's up with the economy. You know, I can tell them whether deals are going slowly, more slowly, but I don't always think that has anything to do with the economy. I think some companies are just 
you know, have, have longer processes to make selections. And so, you know, I try to be honest with them. So, you know, it does seem like in general, the economy has scared some folks. And I think 2022 kind of reflected that a little bit. You know, I'm not sure whether that'll continue into 2023, but I think it would be safe to say that it's probably not going to get better. Probably will be similar, if 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 not a little worse. I know a lot of software companies have taken the opportunity to lay a bunch of people off. I feel like they probably were overstaffed anyway and probably were collecting people when it was uh, a hiring frenzy back in late 2020, uh, 2020, 2021. And now they're looking at this as an opportunity to pare back a little bit. So I'm not sure those companies are really in trouble, um, which is why it's so difficult to measure what's going on in the economy. Like every day you read a different article by a different person and they seem to have a different perspective. Some people say yes, recession. Some people say no recession, but it's going to be you know, hard. Like, I don't know. I think Eric is completely right is you got to just, you know, manage your own boat here and you got to make good, smart decisions for you based on what's going on in your business and try not to get distracted by what a lot of people are are saying other than to to use that data to, to make a good decision as it relates to your business. I don't I don't know too many people who are able to look in their crystal ball and tell me what's going to happen next year. So you have to just try to make good decisions like you would normally. I mean, I would think from our perspective, you've definitely seen people being a little bit more tentative about pulling the trigger on investment in marketing and sales strategy. And I think it's a longer time before they're making that decision. Now, I agree. I think a lot of the media that's talking about recession, recession, without having the data backing it up, I mean, backwards looking data, it's all just a big guess what's happening forward, has a lot of people scared. And just like like we had a really good two or three quarters in a row when COVID first hit, because all of a sudden we had the really savvy business owners who were like, ah, while everybody else is pausing, I'm going to put my foot on the accelerator. And those companies that, first of all, we're still doing business with a lot of them today, but those companies, I remember they were like, ha ha ha, like this yeah. is where we're going to get a little bit of a better market share while everybody's sleeping or is, is pausing a little bit. So I think, you know, not to use a cliche, but history favors the bold. The clients that we have that are forging ahead are going to be in a great position in 2023 because they have more reach. They've created more content. They're engaging with more folks. They have a larger database. They've, uh, you know, cleaned up some of their things. They've added things that they didn't have before. So I would think that if you're... Uh, an understanding that business goes through ups and downs and ups and downs as a regular component, not to go crazy, but to keep moving forward, whether it's up or down. You know, I got an email from our um, administrator of our 401k program. And the email was basically something like, and I don't know if you got the same one, Mike, but it was like, listen, don't worry, you know, your, your investments in your 401k are safe. And I emailed them back and I'm like, I think you're talking to the wrong person. We have a long-term view on our 401k and we're willing to withstand ups and downs in the market for the next 20 years until we can go sit on a beach and eat crack crab. And he emailed back and said, you're the only person that's thinking that, that way now. But if you think about it, the reason that you do regular investments into a 401k is to buy less when it's more expensive and more when it's cheaper. And over time, it averages out. Uh, uh, while you're making money. And I think it's the same with sales and marketing and companies like ours, like keep going. If you have, you know, I forget who wrote that article, but it was about 
making decisions with a 10-year time horizon. When you make decisions with a 10-year time horizon, it's completely different than, oh no, the first quarter of 2023 might be rocky. We shouldn't do that. But if you're like, we're going to be the best IT company in our space 10 years from now, now you would make smarter investments that are long-term oriented. So I would hope that people would be talked off the ledge a little bit because they're reading too much media and focus on what's going to work for their business on more of a long-term, maybe not 10 years, but three years, five years. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, we've, we've been through one real recession, like not sure what we're in now, but we've, we've been through one real one. And there were companies that looked at it as an opportunity and there's tons of data that say companies that continue to market and invest in their business through recessions thrive when the recession is over. And those that don't tend to catch up, try, uh, tend to have to catch up. So I think there's a lot of data that should support, you know, con continuing to move your program forward. And then on top of that, like it is very much about when you get started and how long you've been doing this. You know, if, if you if you started three years ago, and you're still running a, a, a highly uh, invested in um, uh, proactive set of marketing executables, you're doing better today than you were three years ago, right? If you just start today, it's going to take you time to get that up, to get the strategy in place, to get the, the assets created for them to start to get traction. Like it just takes time to do this the right way. So you could, there's never a, a wrong time to start this. And in fact, like to, to Eric's point, the people that decided COVID time was the right time to start it are now reaping the benefits of that. And the same, I would give you the same advice uh, today in terms of like the economy, like you just got to, at some point you got to get started. If you, the longer you wait, the farther away you are from where you really want to be. So just get started and deal with it is always what we tell our, our clients and prospects. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we were at, we had the worst ding to our revenue growth in the 2008 recession the covid generated one in 2020 was actually just a blip that yeah i wouldn't even call that a recession yeah you're yeah right. that that was like a good six to 12 months of pain you know and and you know clients really or prospective clients really not making decisions and yet when you look back we survived and yeah. we kept plugging forward so i don't know i i guess the more seasoning you have the more you realize it's just the basic ups and downs of business but a yep. lot of people talk about it. And because the decision-making crew has expanded from two to three to seven to 10, you got a lot of people right. eating into one another. Well, maybe we should hold off another quarter. And if you're doing any kind of strategy and planning, you would know that, hey, if we want to hit our 2023 goals, we cannot put our foot on the brake. Right. Yep. That's probably the best advice uh, we've had yet in this show. You got you to gotta keep putting gas into the car if you want to get where you're going. Well, nobody's suspending their accounting program. Right. Yep. That's true. Yeah. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about this playbook, digital playbook issue, because that's a big thing for 2022 also. You know, you and I have been talking about this for most of the year, but we went to inbound and they probably the one of the largest and most successful marketing and sales technology companies literally stood on stage in front of 10,000 people, 5,000 people. Yeah. And, 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 and admitted the current digital playbook is dead. And there's a real vacuum uh, in terms of what to replace it with. Now, they had some ideas, which is nice. And we've, we've been kind of talking a little bit about some of their ideas. But I think uh, if we look back at 2022, this was a big realization for, for me specifically, but I think for a lot of people. When you look at your inbox, 
it is filled with garbage. When you look at your social streams, you know, it's generally filled with garbage too, you know, unless you like a video of a Jeep tipping over or a video of someone hitting a crazy golf shot that skips across the water. Like, yes, those are entertaining, but generally the feeds are really cluttered with a lot of garbage. And, you know, there's a saying that we don't like to repeat, but I will, for the sake of the show, marketers ruin everything. Congratulations, we seem to have done it again. Uh, we really have made it much more difficult to get in touch with people. And um, the, the, the ways we used to do it are really not working anymore. Organic search is much more challenging than it used to be. Uh, social media is much more challenging than it used to be. Uh, email marketing is really like a tactic that I wonder whether we ought to even be doing it or not. Um, you know, list sizes are not going up, they're going down. Uh, I, I've seen so many people using this email tool that basically says, if you want to talk to me, donate to my charity, which I think is cute for them to collect money for their favorite charity. But they're literally recognizing the amount of spam they're getting and the amount of unsolicited emails and trying to turn that into a positive for themselves personally. So kudos for them and the company that came up with that idea. I think that's brilliant. But again, it's making it really hard for marketing people to get in touch with, with prospects. So uh, I know I'm going to look back on 2022 and be like, yeah, this was the year we had to really rethink everything. And it's not going to be reimagined in a week or two. This is something that's probably going to take marketers a good year or two to figure out. Um, I know we have some ideas around it. I'm sure a lot of agencies have some ideas around it. I know, you know HubSpot has some ideas around it. But um, a lot of what you've been doing is you're probably frustrated with its performance, and I would expect that to continue uh, next year as well. Um, really got to start thinking out of the box a little bit in terms of how you connect with your prospects. Well, let's just go down that road a little bit further, right? Thinking out of the box. So what's thinking out of the box, right? Doing something a little different than the competition is doing. And I'm looking at 2023 with like a catchphrase of back to basics, you know, there's so many companies that still don't have a differentiation strategy. They don't have a big story. They're not targeting the right people. They're spending money on paid because they feels good to say we're doing something. But, you know, when you go back to basics, if you have a company that everybody in your industry is talking about because you're doing it completely different than everybody else, you know, that seems like you should return to that. And that doesn't cost any money. That's just some brainstorming and perhaps a little bit of, you know, market research by testing your new messenger story. There's also the, the pivot, meaning that, well, we used to sell 50-piece packs. What if we broke it into five 10-piece packs and had a lower price, even though it was the same product? You know, there's different ways that you could go to market that don't have to be with, uh, I'm paying $10,000 a month for a paid campaign on LinkedIn that's not performing. So there's a little bit of that, you know, thinking out of the box means let's redo what we talk about and how we say it. I know for our firm, we're working on a different delivery way that might match up with someone who wants to try different things or expand and contract more uh, freely as opposed to a lockdown retainer, right? I don't know if it's perfect, but at least we're moving forward with new things and thinking outside of the box. I don't think that companies in general spend enough time strategically developing their go-to-market story and who they're attacking and working on that until they got something that everybody's buzzing about. 
I think that they just kind of rely on the tactics. And we often talk on this show specifically about stop doing random acts of marketing, but that still is prevalent. If we could just pull back from the random acts of marketing that aren't working and invest a little bit more in a strategy to separate ourselves from the competition, that actually might be enough to generate the uh, shortfall in leads that we have because the, the tactical things like campaigns aren't working. Yeah, I agree. I think companies also lean heavily on sales. Make more calls, you know, hire a couple more reps. And I, I throw that into the old playbook. You know, we talked about digital marketing playbook, but I think the sales playbook is also broken. Um, you can't, you know, making more calls doesn't mean you're going to get more opportunities. Well, Let's talk about that as well, right? So if it's 2023 and things are a little bit unsettled and I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna look at the buyer's journey from the first time they hear from my salespeople until the deal closes. And I'm gonna work on making that such a, a remarkable process that I'm gonna get my close rate up from 25 to 40%. Maybe that's one of the rocks to, to, to use strategic planning terminology. Maybe that's one of the rocks. now. That doesn't cost any money and you still have leads coming in, but if you close 10 or 15% more of them, well, money drops right to the bottom line. So, you know, nobody thinks that way. They're just like, oh, the salespeople are doing what they're doing and hoping that they hit the number as opposed to, hey, everybody, we have tough times here. Let's see if we can close more deals in our competition. That will really help us in 2023. It actually would be refreshing if someone actually asked us to help them with their close rate. I'm still just shocked that no one ever pays any attention to that number there's no conversation about well what can we do to to, to make that number higher everyone kind of just accepts it like there you know i i can't think of a single client that ever without obviously we talk about it with them and sometimes they're like yeah like that would be great can you help us with that but none of them proactively look at that as something they need to improve that still is startling to me given what's going on with, with business i'll, I'll give you another one mike how about in 2023, you really lean on developing a better relationship with your existing clients and squeezing more revenue out of them, create a community, add more content for them, cross-sell and upsell, educate them on different things they should be considering, right? Everybody comes to square two and they're like, we need more leads. And we're like, do you need more leads or do you need more right. revenue? Because if you need more right. revenue, it's a lot easier to get it out of your existing customer base than it is to go find some new people. And you're right. right. Nobody ever comes to us and says, I really want you to help me attack my existing database and sell more to them. Like literally not one person ever says that. Right. Right. Again. Yeah. I mean, that is also shocking, but again, like we do, we do often recommend that they consider that, but you're right. It's never what they come to. It's never the pain that they come to us with. It's always just get me more leads, right? More new business leads. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really good point. It's not just the digital playbook that's broken, but it's like the general go-to-market revenue generation playbook is really needs a, it needs a complete revamp going into 2023, I think. It needs to be focused. It needs to be narrowed. It needs to be reduced so that it's very clear exactly what we're doing in 2023. I just think that so many different marketing departments have their fingers in so many different tactics that one, they can't keep up and two, they can't get the insights from the data on what's working and what's not. So they just keep throwing money at the problem, which ain't going to happen when the PPP and the uh, ERTC money runs out. I'll tell you that. Right. And I also think that's a reflection on not knowing what to do. So when you don't know what to do, you end up just trying to do the same things over and over again, well, hoping to get better results. And that's with, not really the way. If you peeled one level of the onion down, that's a leadership conversation, right? 
Who's leading the strategy for driving revenue at your company? If you leave it to the second job at a college marketing assistant, you're not getting that. You might get beautiful tactics, but they won't be stitched together in a strategy that'll actually move the needle for growth. That's where I think that a lot of companies are very uh, frugal with their budgeting is to not have someone focused on hitting that number and uh, how are we going to do it and who's going to help us and what are we going to do to get there? That's something that's missing. And it's amazing because you know, you'll spend $200,000 for a top level production manager, but you won't spend $200,000 to bring in new clients to feed production, right? And I don't know why that is. I really don't. It seems when you talk about it in a, in a forum like this, it makes so much sense, but people just don't grab onto that. No, they really don't. All right. Let's talk about technology because, you know, again, the world's changed. There's so many things that you have to do to make this work. Like we, we kind of brush over it often because to us, it's second nature. You know, when we talk about tactics and campaigns, like it seems so simple. And I think when people hear us, they, they think about it in simplistic terms, but the tactics and campaigns you're running today are highly orchestrated and need to be automated and personalized so that they perform better. And there's just no way to do that without some kind of technology. So I know at Square Two, technology is one of our pillars that, that we work with all of our clients on. Um, the technology market has not gotten simpler. It's gotten more complex. There's a lot more tools to choose from. There's a lot more people selling marketing and sales-related software to people. I think a lot of people are, are confused. A lot of ERP vendors have sold clients marketing and sales add-ons to their ERP product that, that don't really do what they should be doing. So you have a really cluttered and confused market around the technology and the tools you need to execute some of the things we're talking about. So I think uh, going into 2023, that's probably not going to get any better. I think there are a lot of companies who are kind of hopping on the bandwagon around sales and marketing automation tools. So I don't think that's going to clean itself up at all through acquisitions or consolidations. I think it's going to be a continue, continually cluttered space. But I want the audience to understand that you can't do what Eric and I are talking about without technology. And the simpler your technology and the simpler the deployment, the easier it's going to be. And, and by easier, I mean the more time you'll be able to spend using the tool to help you get better results than you will trying to get the tool to work right. And what I mean by that is if you know if you're if you've cobbled together a couple of products for whatever reason, you're going to be spending some time making sure that the data is moving back and forth, making sure that they're integrated properly. When one thing changes, the other two things are going to have to change. The reports might have to be massaged on a monthly basis. Like you're spending time and money making sure that your system is working right. And I think our guidance would be going into 2023 and looking back on the mistakes we've seen in 2022 is you're going to be better off with a product that works seamlessly across all of your revenue areas, sale, marketing, sales, and service. And there are a number of those. I'm not going to promote a specific one, but when products work together, you're, you're investing less money in keeping them working right. You're investing less money in the people who are going to help you run them. And you're putting all that money towards the tactics and the effort to actually produce results as opposed to supporting your technology. Anything you want to add to that? 
Well, it still blows me away that people don't have a platform and they do try to piece together it, you know, just because of, in the name of saving money. Once again, back to the manufacturing facility. Oh, uh, hand me that wire hanger and some chewing gum. <laughs> and no, we don't need to spend it on a machine. We'll just like rig it up here. No problem. Like it, it just doesn't happen. It's the same thing with marketing. People think it's so expensive, but meanwhile, the efficiencies that come from that all-in-one platform that you described will easily, easily take care of the expense and the landing of the new, sorry, the assistance that the platform will give you in landing additional clients, the profit obviously will pay for the software as well. I mean, if you think about it, let's use a number, thousand bucks a month for a good platform, right? So that's a $12,000 investment a year. If you landed one extra new client that was worth $5,000 in net profit to your company, that's 60,000 minus the 12 you're spending. I don't know about you, but I'll do that deal all day. But what about lifetime value, right? What if that client stays around for three, four, five years? Like nobody's thinking once again, of more of a long-term approach. Now I will say this, <clears throat> if you don't have any marketing automation platforms that are installed in 2023, stop listening to this show immediately because you're so far behind, we can't help you. There's no way that you can't have a platform at, at this time. They're affordable, they're powerful, they're very, very intuitive and easy to use. They come, I mean, I know you don't want to promote a specific one, but I'll use HubSpot as an example. It's basically easy to use right out of the box. Like there's no reason to do that. Now, I uh, had a conversation earlier today about a company that has something like 50 sales reps all across North America. And I said, well, when the leads come into the mothership, AKA like the home website, how do you distribute those leads? She says, we do it manually. So I say, well, how long does that take? She goes, a couple hours a week. I go to myself, okay, a couple hours a week, 50 bucks an hour for that person to process that. Let's call it, you know, 150 times 52 weeks. Holy smoke, they're spending $8,000 a year just distributing the leads. So I explained something similar to this. Like if every one of those reps has a territory and we can assign the zip codes to that, couldn't we just automatically program that when a lead comes in that has this zip code, send it to this person automatically, have it pop up in their CRM and automatically send an email? I said, wouldn't that help you move the needle uh, for speed? Because remember, it happens instantaneously. The salespeople would be happy because they don't have to enter it into the CRM because it's coming over Matt. I mean, on and on. And she actually said to me, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that with literally no reason why, just because I guess it's a hassle to like change. Is that really the reason? So yes. I said, okay, but just know that those are at your disposal when you are ready. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. Like I, I remember at one of my early jobs, they had this uh, convoluted production line in the manufacturing facility. And I had taken that class on like production strategy 101. And it talked about things like the U-shaped production line, the S-shaped production line, all of them strategies to make it efficient. Well, why wouldn't you think about it in the same way of marketing terms, right? What can we do to make this most efficient, most affordable, most streamlined, best experience? I mean, you could go on and on the benefits of having a system. So that's where I just think that the software that or the technology that we're going to implement in 2023 has got to take out the human factor, the expense. It's got to make the experience better. And once again, that's not spending money on cold outreach or advertising. So maybe that's a good way that you could um, identify a initiative in 2023. Like, what are we going to do about our technology and taking that to the next level? 
As a final comment, you know the old adage that people only use 20% of the software that they actually buy. What if the initiative was we're going to turn on all these modules and we're going to perfect them in 2023? That would have a huge impact on your business results as well. Yep. I mean, I still think about that company we were talking to that was still using a spreadsheet and mailing, emailing out through Outlook BCC. I mean, like there's, that has to be over, you know, like you, you really, and what if that lady takes a vacation? Like no one gets leads for a week, obviously. Right. So, and, and we've already discussed in multiple shows that the, the speed of response when someone is interested in working with you makes or breaks the experience. And there you have data. You've repeated it to me before. Like the first person to respond gets the deal like 80% of the time. So clearly there's a ton of data to support using these tools to create a really efficient and highly effective process. Well, you know, we had a, while you were out, I had a show, I did a show with Kevin about, uh, Kevin runs our uh, interact, our, our web services team. We talked about WordPress versus HubSpot. And, you know, everyone says, oh, my website's on WordPress because it's free. And they think that's like a big accomplishment. But, you know, in reality, when, when Kevin kind of diagnosed really what that means, it's probably more expensive to buy the WordPress plugins and run WordPress the way you should than it is to use the HubSpot CMS. So, you know, you have to look at your technology objectively. And I don't think really anybody who's saving money by choosing a cheaper product is actually getting a better experience or moving their revenue generation system forward in any stretch of the imagination. So um, I concur. I concur. Big, big, big uh, initiative for 2023 would be to look at your technology and make sure you're using it correctly. Make sure you have the right tools. And if you don't, let's get them installed and get everybody using it. So let, let's, uh, let's talk about data. This has been a big issue in 2022. Um, first party data, third party data, how we want to think about it. So everyone understands it. And just to simplify it, you could, you could Google it and I have, so you'll get some more complicated explanations of what first party and third party data is. But to simplify it, first party data is the data you collected yourself, meaning someone gave you a business card and you put it in your CRM. Someone filled out a form on your website and said, yes, you can market to me. You have some kind of business relationship with them, meaning they bought from you previously or they buy from you now or whatever. Um, that's first party data. Third party data is data you've uh, bought or someone has given you or you've collected without the uh, uh, authorization or the, the, the business relationship that I described with first party data. You know, if you go to a trade show and someone hands you a list of registrants, that is third-party data. You got that because you paid to be in the show. If someone comes to your booth and hands you a business card or says, yes, scan my badge, yes, uh, here's my information, I'd like to talk to you, that is first-party data. So you know, understand the differences there. Uh, it is going to be, it has been this year, very difficult working with third-party data. We have a lot of firsthand experiences uh, with third-party data providers and with clients who have had third-party data. And it is extremely challenging working with that. And that is only going to get worse next year. There are a lot of hidden risks associated with third-party data to the point where you could have your Google suite shut down. You could have your ISP suspended. You could have your marketing automation platform shut down. Uh, you could be asked to remove massive amounts of contact data from your database, and it is relatively easy to step in that hole 
and find yourself in that situation. Um, again, at, 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 this, uh, at Inbound that I mentioned earlier, a lot of conversation from the major technology company about first party versus third party data. And they are really encouraging people to lean into first party data. And Eric and I are also, as is square two with all of our clients, you have to get good at collecting this information on your prospects on your own, as opposed to relying on purchasing it from other people. I know it's a very enticing shortcut uh, to buy a list or to buy a database and get all the names you want and start emailing those people. But I can more or less guarantee that you will at some point get into some kind of trouble with that approach. This is a wonderful segue to announce my new business, Second Party Data Incorporated, see me after class. Right. Or like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5 party data, right? Better yeah, I than mean, first party. It's, it just seems so easy. We'll buy a list and we'll blast them. I mean, it just doesn't work. Plus, you know, I have this conversation frequently. Raise your hand if you like to be sold to. Nobody ever raises their hand, right? Nobody ever wants to be pitched on LinkedIn. I know I'm interrupting your busy morning, what? Why would you even say that, right? I mean, it's so messy right now with third-party data and reaching out cold. So there's got to be a better way. Now, back to the theme of back to basics. If you're really doing something special in your industry and people are like, maybe I should check that out, there's collecting all the first-party data you want. Yes, which brings us to an interesting topic that I know we've kind of talked a little bit about. I think we're going to talk about it a lot more next year. But this concept of community, right? I did a I did an interesting interview this afternoon with uh, Gary Pika, right? The created a community long before a community was even a thing, which is why I interviewed him because I thought it was really interesting that he kind of recognized that as an opportunity even before anyone else was. But uh, today, you you see these communities; they're 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 popping up all over the place. Um, uh, uh, HubSpot announced they're they're basically uh, creating a LinkedIn competitor, right? Uh, Connect.com. They're going to build a community of HubSpot users, friends of HubSpot, inbound aficionados, and they're all going to hang out at this website, Connect.com. Um, sales Hacker did a wonderful job of creating a community of sales professionals that wanted to be better, right? And these are all businesses that ended up being monetized in, in, in a really effective way uh, because the community was not about what they were going to buy. The community was about learning and connecting and being with other people like themselves. And this is exactly what Gary said. He said, you know, the MSP market is filled up with business owners who are alone in their businesses and they're beaten down a lot. And they wanted to hang out with other people like themselves. And he talked a lot about how when they got together, he made it seem like the outside world was beyond the doors. And inside here, it's safe to talk about all the things that are challenges. And we're all going to work on them together. And uh, you're going to be better when you leave your interactions with, with, with his particular company and his particular community. So, you know, back to this first party data thing. If you can create this feeling of a community, you will get a ton of first party data. And if you're smart about what you do with that data, you will have an unlimited amount of people who could potentially buy something from you, whether it's your products or some educational information or something else, TBD, I don't think it really matters, but you'll have all of your personas, all of your prospects, all of the people that look similar to the people you wanna to sell to, in a community that you will, in essence, control. 
And I think this, in, in my opinion, is really what the, 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 the marketing and sales playbook for 2023 has to start looking like. I don't think it will be done in one year. I think it'll uh, evolve over a number of years. But I think this idea of attracting like-minded people uh, to this group and, and giving them something that they find valuable is how you're going to attract people to your business. So this is directly related to this, this data issue because that will be first-party data. The people that control the community will have all the first-party data and they'll be able to do whatever they want with it. And, and, and this is not new news. Data is an undervalued asset that pretty much everybody Ari and I talk to. They don't really understand the power of their own database, but it really has to become something that inside your company you're looking at more strategically and really working hard to build that database going, going into 2023. I mean, if you don't know what pickleball is, you've been living under a rock, but two of the biggest pickleball communities just got purchased, uh, which were just online communities of people talking about pickleball. How do I get better? What gear should I be buying? My sneakers keep wearing out. My arm hurts, right? It was nothing about selling and two big companies, uh, sorry, uh, uh, one big company just bought two of these communities from their relatively amateur uh, owners who just wanted to talk about pickleball. Now you have hundreds, if not thousands of people that are, you know, talking about pickleball. You think that maybe they would buy a ticket to a tournament? Maybe, maybe they'd sure. buy a or, or a racket, exactly. right. a paddle, sorry, a paddle, right. Or, you know, maybe a paddle company might want to pay to sponsor their newsletter. I mean, like the opportunities are endless all because they built a community of pickleball players for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was working with a client. They do, um, they want to sell certifications for women that uh, own women-owned businesses and they want to promote those women-owned businesses. The revenue stream is every time someone gets certified as a woman-owned business, this group makes money. So they're like, how do we sell more certifications? And my thing was, how do you start a movement to help women level the playing field in entrepreneurialism? Whoa, mind blown, because that community is a lot more emotionally connecting than buy my certification for $900. That's yeah. where like, your people start thinking. So to your point about 2023, if they were community minded in 2023, they'd be like, what do we have to do to build a community of 100,000 women entrepreneurs? And then the admission to the next level is you got to get certified. Yeah. Yep. It makes too much sense. Yeah, maybe. All right. So, um, you know what, let's do a couple questions. Uh, well, I, really wanna, I really want to get to these questions that, um, we didn't get to in some previous episodes. So I got an episode, I got an issue, uh, uh, right. I got a question here from episodes uh, 57 uh, that was about aligning investment and budget to show results. So let's try to help, um, just find this whole question here. Let's try to help this guy out. Uh, this is from uh, Larry in uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Canada. We're working on our budget now and we're struggling to align what we're planning on spending with expected results. Do you have any suggestions on how to close this gap? What would you say to Larry? Well, the first thing I would say to Larry is that when you're doing, uh, first of all, kudos for planning 2022 for 2023. Um, the second thing is you're talking about your strategy for how you're going to generate leads in 2023. By definition, a strategy is a set of assumptions that you think will happen based upon your actions, right? If we offer this new product, we're going to sell 100,000 and at a 10% net profit, this is what our company will make, right? 
So the first thing is you can't beat yourself too bad on, it's all a big assumption. Now it's an educated guess and you're using data to make better decisions. But when you're talking about the budget, you want a budget and then you want to say, if these assumptions hold true, I'm gonna have three levels. I'm gonna have exceeding my expectations, meeting my expectations or missing my expectations. And then you should be ready with all three of those levels as the data starts to come in. So from like a budgeting and alignment person uh, uh, perspective, I would say, Larry from Saskatchewan, it's a big guess, but it's an educated guess. And if you're not looking at the data every single month, if not every single week, depending on what data uh, point you're looking at, then you won't let know whether your assumptions that you made strategically in 2022 actually gave you the return you were looking for in 2023. That's the way I would approach it when it's like worrying about, is our budget going to return? Larry, I don't know what your business is, but you're an expert in your industry and you know better than anybody what would happen if you made these changes. Make those assumptions and then kind of fit, uh, uh, carry it all the way through and see if those assumptions hold up. Now, here's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneurial or mid-market company, Larry. You can pivot. If you find something in the data that shows you something you didn't expect, pivot. If the results are poor, pull back quickly and don't blow the money on the whole year. And that's where a lot of companies don't spend enough time on data analysis, tracking, and testing to see if their assumptions are going to hold up in the strategy they originally created. That's really good advice. I'll just add, you know, you, you could spend the entire year working on this exercise. I think you put as much time into it to feel like it's as close to being done as possible and then consider it done. Eric's right. You're never. It's never going to be perfect. You're never going to nail every single aspect of this. And no one should be expecting you to either. You know, it's a best guess, you know, in November for a year that hasn't even happened yet. Like you have no idea what's going to influence your, but your, your spending or the results associated with the investment that you've gotten approved. So all you can do is take your best wild ass guess at it, make sure it makes sense and then start working it and adjust accordingly. You know, it's, it's not supposed to be a, a control mechanism. It's supposed to be a guide. It's supposed to guide your spending around expected results. So think about it like that. And maybe you're done already. You know, my, my guess would be without even looking at it, that your expected results is probably already better than 90% of the companies that we work with who have no budget and no expected results for the entire year. So you're, you're, you're way ahead of the game. Get, get, you know, get it approved and get, get working on it. Yeah. Make sure that leadership understands, Hey, we have our best set of assumptions that this is going to happen, but we have to be patient to see if the data comes in, what's working and what's not. Do not pull the plug after a week because you're not getting the results you're looking for. You must carry it through. Good. All right. I got another uh, previous episode question. This is from uh, Jeff in New Jersey, episode 58, what to expect from a revenue generation effort show. So his question is, we've been working on lead gen, demand gen for about three months and haven't seen any measurable results. Some, but not enough to call it successful. Is this long enough of a trial? What do you no. think about that? No. Right. Not the answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah. But so like three months could be frustrating. You're just reaching that point where, oh man, we spent X amount of dollars and we haven't really got anything back. But back to the tracking and twisting, testing conversation. Well, we're not quite getting the results we get it, but this little area right here shows some promise. But this little area over here, there's literally nothing happening over there. Let's take the $5,000 in the bad area and let's lean into a test in the good area and try something slightly different and see if we can beat the results. 
that's an ongoing exercise. I mean, heck, that comes back from A-B testing back in the direct mail days, right? Which headline is better? Which size envelope should I use? What should my opening uh, thing? Should I have a lift letter? Should I have a return postcard? Remember all those direct mail kind of things? And you tested each one of them until you cracked the code. That did not take 90 days. That took years of testing from direct mail. Now we have digital, which certainly shortens the timeline and makes it easier for us to get the data back quickly, but it's exactly the same exercise. Rotated money from dogs into winners. Those winners, we separated into a half a dozen different tests. We took the two of those six and we leaned into four more tests based on those two. And by the end of the year, we have some consistent results. That would be my, my counsel. Yeah, yeah, um, Jeff, the, there's no time to be like pulling the plug or, or pulling your parachute and leaving the plane. Like this is something you're gonna have to do forever. So you don't wanna ever consider something to the point where you're like, stop the whole thing. Eric's 100% right. You have to push through and every industry is different. Every business is different. Every program is different. So we can't really you know, look at this and say three months is long enough. We can definitely say it's probably not long enough. And in our experience, you probably need to run this for an entire year before you get enough data to really know exactly what you wanna do in the next year. But it doesn't matter because you, you got to do something. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. There are no marketing programs that you turn on. And in three months, your amount of leads explode to the point where you're like, thank you. That's enough. Turn it off. I'm just going to deal with these leads and I'll come back to this in a couple months. Like that is not how it works. You're going to get eventually what will happen. I guarantee it. You'll get a couple more one month, a couple more the next month, a couple months, the third month, fourth month or whatever month we're on. And eventually you will start to see this compounding factor where everything you've been working on starts to work together and the trajectory does get a little bit better. But that could be a year from now. It's certainly not likely to happen in three months. So you have to, have a, you have to be long-term oriented when it comes to marketing. You have to be long-term oriented when it comes to any of the programs you're executing, inbound, demand gen, or, organic, you know, optimizing your website. All of these things just take time. In fact, all of marketing, all of this takes time. We just spent 10 or 15 minutes talking about how you can't buy a list of prospects, send them an email and expect them to sign up for your service or buy your product. That, that's not gonna happen. So if that's not gonna happen, you have to be patient, you have to be persistent, you have to, you have to stick with it and keep working on these programs month over month. Really, your goal should be to beat last month. That's really all it should be. You know, if, if leads are your ultimate measure, get one more lead this month than you got last month. And I would consider that a success. Over time, you will have significantly improved your company's lead gen uh, abilities simply because you stuck with it month over month. And I guess your biggest obstacle is going to be getting your boss or someone in the company who's supporting this to agree that this is something that they also have to be patient and persistent around. But that's probably a, a topic for another day. Agreed. All right. I got one more question here and then we'll wrap up for our last show of 2022. Um, I noticed a thread through some of your more recent content. You've been talking more about a system for revenue generation. Is this on purpose? So this is Dimitri from Los Angeles. And he asks a really insightful question. Um, he's right. We have been kind of talking around this concept of systematizing revenue generation. Do you want to just talk about why we, I don't mean like in detail, but at a high level, why do we think that's important? 
Well, I could start the conversation by talking about random acts of marketing, right? I could talk about people with no, you know, some of the earlier things we talked about, no leadership when it comes to strategy. To be honest, we get our clients really good results. And when we look back at why we get our clients really good results is because we use the same system on each one of the clients. Every program is different, messaging, strategy, target markets, that's all different per client. But the rhythm of the how are we going to put our head down and work on the marketing is the same for every client. Weekly revenue team meetings, monthly 30-day sprint planning, quarterly planning, and making sure it matches up with the company's initiatives are all what we do, but we never really bring that to the forefront. And I think lately we've been thinking about how can we help companies be more efficient by introducing them not only to the marketing strategy and all the fun and creative stuff, but the blocking and tackling from like a process and system perspective. Because if you have two junior marketing people and one rogue salespeople, and they're never meeting, they're never talking, they're never brainstorming, they're never strategizing, how could you possibly agree to get results? But if those three people were meeting once a week and setting to-dos each week and setting some goals and looking at the data and what can I do to help you? No, what can I do to help you? Now, just by that, that processor system is helping people get ahead. I know it's more businessy than it is sales and marketing, but the concept of a process is important. Back to manufacturing. It's not like every time we make a widget, we're just going to do it different. No, we have a process. First, we do this. Then we do that. And the results that we get are uniform every time. And it's the same thing with marketing and sales. So I think that our internal conversations are probably breathing into some of the content that we're putting out there because we're just constantly trying to figure out how we can help our clients get better results and systematizing or laying in a process is one of those ways. Yeah, I, I think the major light bulb moment for us this year was, you know, companies have systems for pretty much everything, right? You're going to hire a new person. Here's how we do it. You're going to train that new person. Here's how we're going to do it. You, you know, we're going to bill people. Here's how we do it. But for some reason, when it comes to sales and marketing, yet yeah, some companies have a sales process, but generally it's not great. There is no process around revenue generation. There's just not. And we've identified that that is one of the reasons why clients struggle with this. You know, it's not like they don't have a website. It's not like they're not emailing people, but they're not working in a proven system that 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 if you follow the system, you will get better results. And I think one of the things you've been picking up in our conversations is um, we're going to be much more focused on that type of solution in 2023. And since we've been talking a lot about it internally and 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 kind of getting ready for that, you're hearing it in some of the things we're talking about. So. Dimitri, I appreciate you picking up on that. That's a pretty good nuance to some of the things we've been talking about, but we're excited about it. And I think, you know, in terms of what's wrong with revenue in 2023, I think you all can expect us to be talking a lot more about this idea of a system for revenue generation and what are the components and how you use it and what are some of the like maybe more obscure pieces to it that like a lot of companies might be missing you know, how do you get a system in your business? How do you maintain a system in your business? There's a lot to it. This isn't the kind of thing that you like, you know, purchase on the internet and off you go. It's going to take a lot of work to install this in your business. But there are many other 
examples of similar systems that companies use to run their business and they're highly successful. So it's not like we're just coming up with this out of the blue. We're modeling this based on other uh, similar business systems that companies are already using. Yeah, look at top grading, right? It was the first real HR process or system to make sure you hire the right people. Right. HR is a lot of touch and feel. Oh, this person feels like they would fit. But top grading was the first system that actually had objective um, uh, milestones that would help you make sure. It had tools in it that you used over and over again on the same people right. to make sure that you were qualifying the people correctly and they were a cultural fit. I mean, I don't know, I'm not an expert in top grading, but I do know that rather than being willy-nilly about the people you're hiring, if you use a system like top grading, you're just going to get better results. Yeah, it's a really good example. Awesome. All right, so with that, let me wrap up. I really neglected my normal uh, intro uh, at the top of the show, so I'll remind everybody, if you want to take a look at the show, head on over to YouTube. Uh, the Square to Marketing YouTube channel has all the What's Wrong With Revenue shows on it. This show will be up tomorrow morning for you to take advantage of it. Like it, subscribe to it, leave us comments. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out the show, we have a What's Wrong With Revenue page on our website. At the bottom of our uh, uh, homepage, there's a link. Click on it. You'll see up-to-date shows there. You'll be able to subscribe to the show, which means we will email you um, advance notice of upcoming shows, and we will directly email you the show after it's over. And you can also submit questions right there. If you want to join us live, you can also get the a calendar, uh, uh, an item on your calendar for Wednesday at four o'clock to join us uh, starting in January. So uh, if you're into podcasts and audio content, you can also get the show on all your favorite podcast platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple, and Podbean. And last but not least, the show is also at Square Two's free streaming service www.square2marketing.com backslash square2 plus you can get all the shows there and all of square two's audio and video content so thanks everybody for joining us thanks everybody for a great year eric thanks for stopping in for the last show of the year and uh we will be back with you guys in january you'll get some emails about the new show schedule and uh anything else associated with the show just remember it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we got your backs. Everybody do the best you possibly can, and we'll see you in the new year. That's good advice, and have a great holiday season. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Bye-bye.